Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be sharing with you today from God's Word. We're continuing on in our study of Mark this week. We're on Mark chapter 14. And if you've been reading ahead and you've read ahead through Mark 14, a couple things you may have noticed in this chapter. First of all, maybe you noticed that Mark 14 is 72 verses long. So that means this sermon's going to be about three hours long. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's not going to be that long. It just means I'm going to cover a little bit of Mark 14, and then next week, Pastor Doug is going to cover some more of Mark chapter 14. Another thing you might have noticed as you read through Mark 14 is that we're, we're closing in on Jesus' death. We're getting to the point of the story where Jesus is going to die on the cross for our sins. For anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus is going to die to take the penalty, take the wages of their sin and, and my sin and your sin on himself. And we're drawing close to that in Mark 14. But we see two things going on as we read through Mark 14. First of all, we see the religious leaders over here in their little secret room, their little secret group, plotting to murder Jesus. And they think that they're being clever and they think they're being really secretive over here. While at the same time, Jesus is over here with his disciples and he's preparing his disciples for his death. And I think it's kind of interesting that both those things are going on at the same time. The religious leaders just think, we're so secretive, we got this, this plot that nobody knows, and yet Jesus is perfectly aware of what's going on, and that his death is coming, and he's preparing his disciples for that. And I think, first of all today, that can bring us some encouragement. Oh, one of the things I, I thought about was, how many times on the news, or especially on social media, do we hear about this group over here is making these deals and these plans in this back room and trying to manipulate our culture and our society to this evil end, right? You hear that kind of theories out there all the time, and, and some are maybe plausible and some are maybe way out there, but whatever the case, even if there are evil men sitting in a back room somewhere making secret plans to do evil things, the reality is God knows exactly what they're doing. And God's plan is going to happen despite the plans of evil men. And, and so we can take some encouragement from that this morning. We're living in a, a pretty crazy, chaotic time in our world and in our, our country, but yet we know God knows everything that's going on, whether it's out in the open or, or whether it's behind closed doors. And we can take encouragement that God's plan is what is going to happen in the end. And in the end, God is going to accomplish His purpose of God being glorified, and ultimately things will work for the good of those who love God. And so take some encouragement and some courage from that first off this morning. But that's not my main thing I want to talk about this morning. I want to dig a little bit more into Mark 14 here. And we're going to start with Mark 14 and verse 3. And before we look at that, I want to let you know that this event is also spoken of in John 12. That John records this event as well in his gospel. And actually in John 12, he gives some more detail 
about this event than Mark does uh, in his section here. And so we're, we're going to read and kind of focus on Mark 14, but I'll refer a lot to John 12, so I encourage you to read John 12 sometime on your own and see John's account of this, this story, this event. But look at verse 3 there of Mark 14. And while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And so we see Jesus here. He's at Simon's house. We don't know a lot about Simon. He was a leper. He had had leprosy, and Jesus healed him from that. And so Jesus is now at a dinner at Simon's house. In John 12, it again gives us some more detail. It says that Lazarus was also there. And if you remember, Lazarus was Jesus' friend, and Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And this dinner was actually a celebration of what Jesus had done in raising Lazarus from the dead. So also at this dinner were Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. And also Jesus' disciples were there at, at this dinner. And so Jesus is sitting there relaxing. And our verse there says, A woman came out carrying a flask of pure nard. Now John again gives us more detail and tells us that that woman was Mary. And that's not Mary the mother of Jesus. That's Mary the sister of Lazarus. I know there's a ton of Marys in Jesus' life. It's hard to keep track. But right here is Mary the sister of Lazarus. And she has this flask, this little container. Uh, in John 12, it says it weighed about a pound, and it was filled with pure nard. Now, if you're sitting there going, what is nard? Uh, don't feel too bad. I didn't know what nard was either. So I did a little research, and nard is an, an ointment, an oil, a perfume, and it's derived from the root of a rare plant that grows in India. So needless to say, this isn't peppermint body lotion that you're buying at Bath and Body Works. This is rare, precious stuff. And Mary has just a little bit of it, but even that little bit, later on in the passage, it's going to be estimated that it's worth 300 denarii. Now, 300 denarii is about a year's wages for the average worker in Jesus' day. And Mary was an average citizen in Jesus' day. So this is very costly, very precious stuff that she has there. This is not just the kind of stuff that she's throwing a big splash on before she goes to the marketplace in the morning. This is the kind of stuff you maybe use one little drop of it on very, very special occasions. And actually, some of the commentaries I read talked about that maybe this wasn't even something that Mary would have personally used. That maybe it was more of an investment for Mary. It had possibly been passed down through her family to Mary. And it was her life savings. It was maybe her emergency fund. She just kind of kept it around. If she got in financial trouble of some kind, she could then sell it and use that money to pay off her debts. So again, this wasn't common stuff. This was very precious ointment, very precious perfume. And Mary brings it out, and, and she breaks the flask open, and it says she poured it on Jesus' head. And John 12 says she also poured it on Jesus' feet and used her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. Mary makes this great offering, this great sacrifice, this great gift to, 
to Jesus, this, this pure worship of Jesus, saying, Jesus, this is the most costly and most valuable thing I have. It's my life savings, and here I just pour it out freely, openly. I give it to you in, in just a simple act of worship, expecting no return of any kind. Just, I, I love Jesus, and I want to worship Him. And so we see this awesome act of worship of Mary. And we're going to see here in a moment the reaction of the other people around the table. But I want us to know before we look at their reaction, it was not unusual in Jesus' day and in Jesus' culture to anoint a guest with oil. And then if you had a really honored guest come over to your house, it's, it's something you would do, maybe not all the time, but a decent amount of time you, you kind of anoint them with oil. It was a way to honor them. Maybe like if you have somebody over and you give them dad's favorite recliner in the living room to sit in for the evening. Uh, it was just something to honor them, to make them feel special. So when the other dinner guests see Mary anoint Jesus, they're not going, man, that was a really weird thing to do to anoint somebody with oil. Would have been a little odd for her to wipe his feet with her hair. But the anointing with oil wasn't necessarily an odd thing. What, what stuck out to the rest of the guests, to the disciples, was the expense, the, the preciousness of the oil that she used. Right? Usually you'd use just a, a more common oil, a more normal ointment, not the very best that you had, your, your life savings poured out on Jesus' head. And so look at verse 4 and see the, the reaction of the other dinner guests of the disciples there. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. And so the reaction of the other dinner guests of the disciples is to say, Stop, Mary, what are you doing? That is very expensive stuff that you're just pouring out on Jesus, just pouring out on the ground. We, we could have done so much ministry for the poor with that. And my challenge, my, my thought for you, first off, this morning is to put yourself into the story. Put yourself at that dinner with Jesus. You're sitting there and you've had this meal and now you're watching Mary bring this expensive nard ointment out and, and dump it on Jesus. And if you were there, what is your reaction? Honestly, think about that and, and assess what's your reaction. Would you be there saying, oh, oh my heart, that is such a beautiful, lovely act of worship. If that's you, that that's awesome and you're probably kind of off the hook with some of this other stuff I'm going to talk about this morning or would you have been there like the disciples going oh my heart that is so much money that she just used there and if I'm honest with you that second reaction is probably where I would have been at I, I probably would have been jumping in with the other guys going Mary Mary stop that's a silly, wasteful thing you're doing. Uh, why don't we go use that to, to do some good for the poor? And so think about that a little bit. What, what would have been your reaction there? 
And then I, I want to challenge you, especially if your reaction was that second reaction, Mary, what are you doing? Stop. I want to challenge you to think a little bit deeper and, and think, why would you have reacted like that? Because when we think about our reaction, our response to Mary's sacrifice here, it's going to teach us some things about where our heart at is at when it comes to our giving and serving. Not just if we give, not just if we serve, but this morning I want us to think about where is our heart really at as we give of our money, as, as we give of our time, as we give of our abilities. Right? Pastor Doug always likes to call this your, your time, talent, and treasure. As you give those things, where is your heart really at? And not just do you give, but in what way and how and what's going on when you give. And so let's look at some of the reasons why the disciples here responded this way to Mary. And, and what does that tell us about our own heart as well? First of all, the, the first reason we see that there's this response like this is we see that Judas led this response. That's, again, something we see in John chapter 12, that Judas is the guy that led this outcry, this complaint against Mary. And John 12, verse 6, actually tells us why Judas complained like that. If you look at John 12, 6, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. And so we see Judas steps up, not because he cares about the poor, but because he's greedy and selfish. And Mark 12 is actually a really hard chapter on Judas, but we see that Judas is often driven by greed and selfishness. And he says, Mary, stop, because he would have rather they sold the ointment so that he could have taken part of the proceeds from himself, for himself. He, he wanted to steal from the group. He wanted to steal from Jesus. His heart was driven by greed and selfishness. And now, I don't think any of you out there listening want to steal from the church. You're, you're not going to come and take a handful from the offering basket as it goes past you. But if we're honest with ourselves, we need to admit that selfishness, oftentimes it affects our giving, oftentimes affects our serving. That maybe we don't give as boldly and as generously as Mary did because we want to hold a little bit for ourselves. And, and if you struggle with that, I'm with you. I struggle with that too. I, I find especially with my time, I'm busy a lot of times doing stuff that I have to do. And so when I get some time that I'm like, man, I don't, I don't have anything that I have to do right now, a lot of times my first reaction, my first instinct is, oh, I get to do something that I want to do. My first response is not, how can I generously give this time to Jesus? How can I generously use this time to serve? A lot of times it's, how can I use this time to do something I really want to do? And not that it's wrong to do stuff that you enjoy at times, but in our service, are we giving generously? Are we fighting against that selfishness to say, how much 
can I really give of my money, of my time, of my talents and abilities? Secondly, selfishness affects us even sometimes when we do give. Remember, Mary didn't just give generously, but she gave without expecting anything in return. Rather, there was nothing really that Mary was going to get out of anointing Jesus, other than enjoying the moment, worshiping and loving him, uh, there was no real material gain for her in that. And we need to think about that as well, and how we give and how we serve, what we support and, and what we really give into, what we really help out with. Right? Are we just giving to things that benefit us in some way right maybe we give to camp because we like going there on retreats or we help out with the little league program because our kids are in it or we give to cancer research because we're scared one day we're going to get cancer and so we, we want a cure for it and not that it's wrong to do any of those things that i mentioned not that it's wrong to have that as a motivation in what you're doing but really when you look at all the things you give to all, all the things you support is it just stuff that in some way benefits you or are we giving and supporting things that we just know Jesus wants us to give to those things even if it doesn't really benefit us in some way and so we, we need to give generously we need to give Really, we need to fight against that selfishness in us. But as we look at the people at this dinner, as we look at the disciples, I don't think all of them were driven in their response by selfishness like Judas was. I think that some of these guys generally cared about the poor and generally thought, man, we should do something with this for the poor. And so they, they wanted to do a, a good thing, but the question becomes, in, in our giving, what is the most valuable thing we can do in our giving? And that's an important question for us to answer, but a lot of times a tough question for us to answer. Okay? Because we all know that our resources are limited. We only have so much money. We only have so much time. There, there's only so much that we can do, so... How do we decide what is really a valuable thing for us to give and, and for us to support and for us to invest into? And as we look at Jesus' response to the disciples, we get some ideas, we get some guidance on how do we determine what's valuable for us to invest our time and our money into. Look at verse 6. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you something, and, and I want you to keep this in the, in the back of your mind for future reference. You, you may need to, to remember this someday. If you have me over for dinner at your house, first of all, you're awesome because I love to eat. But if you have me over for dinner at your house, and we're sitting there at your house relaxing, and you come out with a bottle of perfume, and you dump it over my head, and I'm sitting there, and now there's oil running down my head, and I smell like a junior high boy that's put on way too much body spray, I'm not going to be sitting there going, 
oh, that is such a beautiful thing that you did for me. I'm going to be sitting there going, what are you doing? What was that? Is this some kind of horrible prank? I'm not going to look at that as a beautiful thing. But Jesus here saw what Mary did as a beautiful thing. And now I know part of that was Jesus was looking beyond the physical act to Mary's heart in the act. But I'm telling you, if you don't perfume on my head, I don't care where your heart's at, I'm not going to be looking at that as a beautiful thing. And, and I make a big deal out of that because of this. Because what I see as valuable is probably different than what you see as valuable. Well, what I see as a, a beautiful act of kindness and service might be different than what you see as a beautiful act of kindness and service. And so often when we go and when we give and when we serve, we, we start with the premise of, well, what would I want somebody to do for me? How, how would I want somebody to serve me? How, how would I feel loved and cared for? And we go and we do that for somebody else. And now sometimes that touches the person, but the reality is sometimes it doesn't. Because what I think is beautiful and loving to them might not be that important. And something that I look at as a silly act or a silly gesture might mean the world to somebody else. And so when we think about what we give to, how we serve, we need to remember what's valuable to me might be different than what's valuable to somebody else. And we need to not just give to things that I find valuable and meaningful, but we need to support things as well that are going to touch other people and help other people connect with Jesus, that are going to make other people feel loved and cared for. And an example of this I, I thought of is that uh, music isn't necessarily my, my thing. I'm, I'm not a huge music person. And so if on Sunday morning we just sang a couple of hymns and, and drank some coffee and hung out and studied the Word and had a good message, like, that would be awesome. Just a couple hymns would be fine with me on a Sunday morning. But I know that a lot of you out there really value music, and, and music means a lot to you, and it, it's a huge way that you express your love for Jesus and that you connect with Jesus. So even though it's not necessarily my thing, I, I need to support the musicians and, and the music that's happening at Liberty. Because I know other people value it and it helps other people in their relationship with Jesus. And so when we decide what, what is valuable for me to give my, my time and my energy and my money to, we got to think not just what's valuable to me, but what's valuable to other people as well. But as we go on, we're going to see even more important than what's valuable to me or what's valuable to somebody else is going to be what's valuable to God. Look at verse 7. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can go do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Now Jesus is, is not saying here that helping the poor is not an important thing to do. If you follow along with us the whole way through Mark, you see that Jesus is continually helping the poor and, and the broken and the hurting and the, the sick and the ill. 
Right? Jesus did that his entire life. He, he's not saying here, helping the poor isn't important. It is very important, but he's saying, especially in this moment right here, there's, there's something more important. You will have other opportunities to help the poor, disciples. God will provide other money and other resources to help the poor at other times, but right now, you only have this one opportunity to worship me before I die. Right? Jesus knew he was going to the cross soon. He said, you only have this little bit of time to be with me. And I think it's pretty telling as, as we start to look through these next couple chapters and sections of Mark and Jesus' last days. What does Jesus do with, with his last days? He doesn't frantically go and say, how can I serve as many people as possible? He uses his last days and his last hours just to spend time with his disciples, with those that he, he loves. A little later in Mark 14, he, he spends the Passover meal, meal with his disciples, saying, I earnestly desire to spend this meal with you, this time with you before I die. That Jesus valued just spending time with his disciples. And Jesus just wants to spend time with us, and he wants us to spend time with him. And the biggest challenge for me in this whole passage was that it's so easy to get caught up in stuff, even valuable stuff, even good stuff like helping the poor and, and just be so focused on, I, I got to do this and this and this, and, and I'm so busy doing stuff for Jesus that I forget to just be with Jesus. And if I can really challenge you with, with one thing this week, it's just to take some time to be with Jesus. Because that's Jesus' ultimate goal and ultimate aim, is that we would be with Him. And when we go and when we, we serve and when we help others, Remember, that the goal of that isn't just so they could have a nicer today and a nicer life. The, the goal of that is that we, we serve them so they know Jesus loves them and they know Jesus wants to be with them and wants them to be with Him. And it's so easy for me, it, it's so easy, I think, for a lot of us to lose sight of that and not just stop and spend time with Jesus. Right? Even when I'm reading the word, even when I'm reading the Bible, am I just reading to see what, Jesus, what is your next task for me? Or, or am I actually spending time saying, God, who are you? I just want to know you. When I'm praying, is it just this list of, God, this is what I, I need you to do for me right now? Or am I praying just saying, God, I, I just want to tell you how awesome you are. Guys, ladies, just challenge you this week, stop and spend some time with Jesus. Mary just gave freely and openly and boldly, just said, Jesus, here's all I have. I just, I, I love you and, and I, I want to worship you. And are we doing that? Are, are we getting the selfishness out of the way that I want to hold on to this and enjoy this for me? Are we getting the selfishness out of the way of, of I'm just going to do things that kind of come around to benefit me later on? Or are, are we getting out of the way of just, I'm just going to do the things that I value 
And are we just freely saying, Jesus, I just, I give this to you. And if that means just stopping and, and just being with you for a period of time, I'm, I'm going to do that. And, and if you're leading me to go and to give and, and to serve in, in some way and, and to do something or give to something, then, then I'm going to do that generously and boldly. But it starts with us just prioritizing and valuing what Jesus values. And that's our relationship with Him. And so the challenge for me this week, the challenge for you this week, is just stop and just give. Give of your time, talent, and treasure to Jesus. Stop and just be with Jesus and say, Jesus, I just want to give this to worship you. Leave the results, leave, leave wherever it's going up to you. I, I just want to worship you because you are God and you are awesome and you died on the cross for me and I love you. I know that's a super hard thing for me to do, just just to stop. But I want to see where my money and where my time is going and, and all the results. And the challenge is just give. Just be generous. Simply because we want to honor and love and be with Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord God, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time in your word. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us. And I, I thank you for the reminder that you value us and you, you care for us and you love us so much and you just want to be with us. And so help us to give generally, generously. Whether that means just stopping and giving some time just to you or, or whether that means we give some time or some money or some whatever to serve somebody else so that they can know you want to be with them. Help us to keep you the center and the focus of all that we do and especially of all that we give. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.